I'm still waiting for an explanation, gentlemen. Yes, and I am prepared to give you one, Commander, as soon as the room stops spinning. This station creates gravity by rotation. It never stops spinning. Well, I begin to see my problem. Hmm? Talia must make a harrowing journey. I don't want to do this again. Into the mind of a killer. I'd think twice if I were you. But an all-new Babylon 5. You have transmissions holding. Batch incoming signal. Full audio and video decode. Purple files accessed. What you are about to see has never been shown to anyone outside the break house. everyone out there in podcast land welcome to gray 17 a babylon 5 podcast and the number seven tv and film podcast in finland they make great shoes there to our finland listeners thank you we are number seven if you look at just tv review podcasts we're number two in finland they're they're joining nato and uh they're listening to our podcast before we get going with the episode we have gotten in believe it or not some more reviews so i want to go ahead first and say please review us if you haven't already give us a like give us a subscribe a follow a review it really does help us get out to more folks but we want to read another review that we got from apple a few weeks ago and this is from and i'm going to mispronounce their name but it's not a real name anyway papo selenius and they say the one where they make a podcast very friends how do you pronounce it because I don't watch Friends. No, the the one where they make a podcast. That's a Friends reference. Right. Oh, okay. The that's, one where they that's like what they call all the episodes. Thank you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> you leave that man alone. The one where they make a podcast. The chemistry among all these presumably old time friends is what makes the show format work. I'm not sure I would have the courage or the persuasion skills to get my non sci fi friends like Jesse and they misspelled your name, Jesse, like Jesse, to watch an extremely geeky show from three decades ago. But I'm thankful that it happened. The gender diverse uh, perspectives are welcome to hear folks struggle with the same issues I had when the show was in the 90s. But celebrating things I liked is validating and pointing out the good and the bad. I never thought of it is refreshing. So thank you, Papo Zelenius. And I'm sure I mispronounced that. So guys, again, if you are listening to us, please give us a subscribe, a like, a follow, whatever the heck it is on your app. But most importantly, give us a review. And then if you can go one step further, we have launched our Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash gray17podcast where you can join in and get behind the scenes content. Uh, there's also a tier where you can do Q and A's with us as hosts, because who couldn't get in more of us without enjoying it? I don't think that was English, but who couldn't get enough of us? And then you can also probe the show where you can send us audio uh, messages, which will be in the podcast. And then if you are somebody who really wants to help us grow, you can be a part of the great council and be a producer. So guys, you want to talk anything about what you've been adding to the Patreon lately? I've uploaded show notes uh, in my serial killer handwriting and I'll continue to upload them because I have lots of entertaining notes with scribbles and highlights. And if you want to take a crack at deciphering it, it'll be entertaining if you can. I don't think it's serial killer, but it's definitely conspiracy conspiracy theorists. So I think you've got like a tinfoil hat when you write on those things. She's got like little red yarns coming from one word to another and connecting them all together. And I think we figured out who the Zodiac killer was. Potentially. (laughs) Potentially. (laughs) Don't put that out there. (laughs) 
We have a Discord available at all tiers, and I'm the one running it. Thinking of all our pets in the wrong chat, apparently. We're working on it. We're learning Discord as we go. Dog picks, cat picks. If you haven't joined our Facebook page, you should, because there's lots of cool shit going on where memes, I am thoroughly enjoying the memes, um, although I feel extremely attacked every single time one of them comes out. You didn't get stuck in a toilet bowl in one of them. <laughs> so we are here today to talk about the quality of mercy and um, those who have watched this show before are like, that's not true because the quality of mercy is episode 21 of 22. What the heck are you doing right now? We are watching the HBO Max order, which is goofy, but we had several lengthy conversations with our veteran members and we have decided that for right now, HBO Max is fine, even though it's a little weird. So we are definitely talking about the quality of mercy today. And we are going to be talking with our newbies first and talking about their first impressions of the show that they have just watched for the first time. And they have not watched anything after that. And then once we get all their impressions or questions and predictions, we will jettison them out of an airlock and the veteran folks will stick beyond the rim and spoil things. And there is a significant amount of spoilers, I think. Uh, this episode. So stick around after the credits if you want to be spoiled and we'll talk about those too. Also, this is an exciting episode because we get to bring something out of Beyond the Rim and bring it to the newbies because now the newbies are on the same page as we are when it comes to a certain appendage or appendages of an ambassador. So I'm Scott and with me as always is Justin, Emily, Jesse, Andrew, John, Mike, Nicole, and Kevin. And for those playing the home game, Blake is stuck on Amtrak. So he will not be with us today. And I'm sure he is very excited to be stuck on a train. Joy. So let's go ahead and talk first impressions of the quality of mercy. And we'll go to Justin first. First impression. Yeah, I mean, to address the tentacle in the room, I never thought I would live to see the day that we had tentacle porn in Babylon 5. But here we are. It's technically not porn. Um, and then kind of moving on, uh, not that you know of. It's more Skinamax than porn. Ah, fair enough. I like that analogy. Moving on, I the episode actually entertained me more than I thought it would. I loved watching um, Londo and Lanier's crazy night out. You know, Londo trying to ruin Lanier's um, sensibilities and as much as he could. The a nice peek into the criminal justice system on Babylon Five. Um, one thing I kind of noticed right away is the actor who played Mueller uh, was also Boggs in Shawshank Redemption, who is, I guess, somebody who likes to play really creepy killer types because he nailed both really well. So I thought that was, you know, pretty pretty cool to see Mark Rolston um, kind of in another role similar to what he played in one of my favorite movies of all time anyway. One in, in thing I thought was kind of interesting is, you know, sadly, medical care on Babylon 5 in the future, I guess, is not is not free, we find out. Um, they don't have universal health care, and it's really expensive to go to the normal doctor. So a lot of people are relegated to underground clinics and stuff like that. And um, so that was kind of another kind of peek into the culture of Babylon 5 that I thought was pretty interesting. And then I guess really the punishments for murder uh, within the Earth Alliance you basically have prison on earth, prison on station, or we don't really want to do the death penalty, but we're going to do the death penalty and we're going to completely wipe away your personality. So that was kind of in some ways worse than death to me. Um, so those were just kind of the main things that I just picked up on right off the bat. So now that Justin's gone over every plot point in the show, who's next? Uh, Emily, impressions. <laughs> All right. So my first impression was... Oh, this fucker is back. Because <laughs> he was a murderer in TNG, too. He's a murderer in everything. 
Yeah. Um, so that was like my very first impression. And that is literally what I wrote. And then since Justin brought it up, we can't really not talk about Londo and his Medusa dick. <laughs> That's obviously you started you started laughing there. Did you say Medusa dick or Medusa yes. dicks? Yes, I did. Was it plural? I there I don't is even a right know. Answer. Is it like one? There is a right things? answer. Is it multiples? I don't know what the well, hell is going let's on. Just, let's just let's just answer this right now. This was a Beyond the Rim segment during um, Parliament of Dreams because when Londo did his uh, religious ceremony, he showed you Lee, the goddess of passion. Lee actually has both male and female parts. Right. And if you look at the Lee statue, which gets shown again in this episode. Mm-hmm. She has six. Six. That's what you're saying is that's (laughs) a lot. (laughs) Like, how would you contain that in your pants? Now I have like doesn't. It's in his stomach. Like he was like. We're all just letting that sink in for a second there. Yep, now I got logistical questions, but I also can... wanted to know why does it look like one of those sticky hand toys that you'd like throw against the wall? <laughs> I mean, that's how he was using it. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is this? I thought it was a tongue, to be honest. Nope. It looked well, like a I mean, tongue. Depends on your dick. Wow. It could be used as such. Yeah, that's sure, I guess. <laughs> we will. I don't want to derail the first impressions, but back in 94, there were questions that people had on the internet as well, too. Obviously, and, how can and you JMS not? answered more questions than I'm surprised than I actually thought he would. So we can get into Londo's anatomy. We can do that. <laughs> I think I think John's excited to talk about it. Yeah. So other than that, um, I actually thought it was pretty cool that Dr. Franklin was working at the free clinic. I mm-hmm. thought it was cool to see a little bit more about him. That was positive. And that's the one thing I was going to not correct Justin on, but question is, I don't think it's an underground clinic. I think it's just a free clinic. We have free clinics down the road, wherever you live. It's just, it isn't down below. That's because where that's where most people live. It was well, underground according to Ivanova. Down. Yeah, he didn't tell Ivanova about yeah, it. That's so. true. That's yeah, that's true. Yeah, she was just true. pissed. Yeah. I'll give you that. So it seemed like it was free and not within regs, but I mean, that's true. that was cool of him. Mm-hmm. Jesse. Um, well, I mean, the episode was cool. We're cruising along. And then I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what is happening? <laughs> um, wasn't ready for that. Definitely not showtime, dude. You saw the whole thing. Like, that's that's some straight up tentacle porn. Like, I think Justin was right with that. Makes you think more about Ladira now. Remember Ladira from Born to the Purple? Poor girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'd like to not. Moving on. <laughs> um, no, it was, it was, I liked it. It was a good episode. Um, one, one of my first impressions is that the telepath, tell me. Talia. 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 Thank you. She's a little squeamish for her position. You know, the things that we watched in this episode weren't, I don't know. It's not like she saw all the dead bodies. She saw bodies. And yeah, I mean, I can understand why that might be a little overwhelming, but she just seems a little sensitive for the position Mm -hmm. that she holds. Um, So that was my, like my main takeaway from this other than uh, what are we looking at? Got to see more Lanier. Really enjoyed that. Like it was a good, I think it was good character building for him. Definitely. Cause it shows the loyalty um, that his species um, holds very tight to their chest. So I liked it. I thought it was a good episode. Andrew, you're up. Uh, so I was also a little uh, taken aback by Lando's anatomy, but uh, one thing that I wanted to 
touch on was like right at the beginning of the episode where we're like setting up one of the plots of with Londo kind of t- uh, taking Lanier. He's saying like, "Oh yeah, I'll uh, I'll show you everything that there is to know about uh, Babylon Five. And like right then, I was like, "Yeah, this is gonna be a good plot. I'm gonna love this." Londo taking Lanier to a strip club. Oh good, this show was starting to have a severe lack in horniness. And yeah, it just went off the rails in terms of horniness after that. <laughs> uh, what, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up about you know, Death the Down Below clinic stuff was that uh, uh, to me it kind of reminded me of our, how our society kind of treats uh, like pharmaceutical treatment versus natural treatment um, because uh, Franklin quickly figures out like oh no like this isn't regulation but it works so I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know just, for me that was a little in- pretty interesting man we were so good with believers in a religious argument are we actually going to get into a debate about holistic medicine now this could be fun <laughs> John <laughs> this is a connection I made yeah John, you're up. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the episode the moment we've all been waiting for. And as soon as I saw it, I came up with what I give you now is the top 10, starting with Lando's limb, Lando's little fella, Lando's love leg, Lando's lance of love, Lando's lap rope, Lando's love lollipop, Lando's lung puncturer, Lando's licking stick, Lando's Louisville plugger, and Lando's leader of the sack. Ladies and gentlemen, the just- <laughs> performance. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> this is high quality NPR community voices that you come to love and know here at grade 17 just when i thought this episode so first of all it starts with touch this I, already i was stuck fantastic line here comes lando throwing heat touch these yeah <laughs> one of my favorite gifts on, to use on twitter by the way <laughs> i i was not prepared to to see that turn at the end However, as soon as I saw it, I knew exactly what it was. <laughs> I knew exactly what it was doing. And I knew exactly what we'd learn later. And it was fantastic. Fantastic. Now, having said all that, as much as I love Londo, I got to admit, uh, this episode did not show his best side, if I'm, be- if I'm being honest. <laughs> you want a little you want it full frontal? <laughs> well, I mean, don't tease me with it. Where are the other five at, baby? You know what I'm saying? You can be playing ball. Oh, we should probably ask Adira if it was his best side. I I don't think we would know, but... She... My ambassador. <laughs> I'm going to be playing all five hands at the poker table by himself, and that is epic, son. Epic. I'm out here disappointing people with one. If I had five more, i get that many more shots at the barrel. It's just incredible. Just incredible. Um, I'll save the rest of the thoughts for when we get into some of the other plots, because uh, I obviously have those, but just what a just what a performance by Lando. You know, I love the the innocence of Nicole versus the non-innocence of John. Nicole's like, I thought it was a tongue. I John's really like, did. It was, <laughs> was one of them a Louisville slugger. <laughs> it was the Lando's Louisville plugger. So I don't know how long that took you to think of all of those. Like <laughs> ten long. seconds. Knowing seconds. John, not that long. Did you learn anything from the episode, or did you just make up names for his dick all day? John has a certain set of skills, and he uses them. Thank you. Thank you. There's a lot going on up here. You know, <laughs> you belong to the sidecore. You don't want to go down here, Jesse. You're like, oh, that wasn't that scary. Take a look. Take- <laughs> Talia would run away screaming. Yeah, yours would be scarier than that other guy. Oh, shit. I'm Are we talking about John's tentacles really. now? Or? <laughs> Ooh, easy. There's not all bumpy, but uh, <laughs> uh, since you mentioned Boggs, which I thought was great too, I don't know if anyone else saw Constant Zimmer. 
as the young patient as well. She's been a ton of stuff, agents mm-hmm. of show, yeah. uh, entourage, it's a bunch of stuff. So it was, it's always interesting now. I will say that's kind of becoming a somewhat recurring theme. Uh, like every episode, every other episode, there's somebody go, oh man, I know that person. Or, oh man, I know that person. So lots of cool little like guest stars that uh, you don't really see coming, but cool. First impression. So I'll start with the, the fun, lighter stuff that I noticed, and then I'll go into my more deeper first impression. So this was the episode of one-liners and lines. Like I highlighted touch this Lando. That was a classic line stroke off that Mueller guy. That was a good one. Even though he was a douchebag, that was a good line. Uh, when I found him a set, not without dinner and flowers, I was cracking up. I was like, Oh, you get him. I Like I thought that was good. Um, and then the line of, um, necessary, uh, Things are not always the same as the right thing. I thought that was really good too. There was just a lot of good one-liner quote, insult, or like profound sentences. It was like a good mixture of these. Um, And then I want a Lanier and Lando buddy comedy. Um, (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. Also, the fact that Lanier kicked the shit out of that guy. That was unexpected. I was like, oh, okay. Lanier knows what's up. All right. You know, like I just, oh, and watching him with the, the stripper, like his eyes, he was like fascinated. It was hilarious. I was, I was thinking of you, John, during that part. I was like, this reminds me of John bringing like an innocent young guy to like a strip club and like, putting him in front of a naked broad and that's just looking. John and Andrew. Yeah, don't ruin what I was about to say. Or, or we're talking about me. <laughs> I invited Andrew out for a nice meal. He doesn't know what's coming. Relax. Meal. But, but yeah, I thought that was good. Um, but overall, uh, the episode I thought was pretty good. I thought it was really an interesting juxtaposition too, because I felt like there was a lot going on in this episode, and it was all kind of heavy. But then there was this whole other aspect of like this comedic Lanier and Lando thing. You know, I thought it was a good way to kind of break up the whole. Mueller thing that was super dark and he was really creepy and I hated him from the minute I was like this shady mf'er is awful he's creepy um I want to know what spacing is that's one of the questions I wrote down which we can talk about later um and then you know you have the whole um you know the doctor uh who was using that machine who turned out was sick and you know she got addicted to drugs and then she was trying to write herself and you know so like those two plots are kind of heavy and they were going on simultaneously with this hilarious like buddy comedy in the middle like so I thought it was another good example of a way to storytell where you get all of these points across where it's not like super depressing like the kid dying episode that one was rough but like you had these deeper more intense moments and things throughout the show but then there was that little comedic part in the middle to kind of break it up a little bit so it wasn't so heavy oh and franklin shooting a shot asking janice out go franklin like we learned a lot more about him today so creepy how's that not one of your shady mfers no i like franklin yeah we, we, we can talk about it Usually I'm the hopeless romantic Londo kissing with his eyes open, but she's a daughter of your... Uh, yeah. dude. I will answer one question for Nicole before we go to uh, Mike and Kevin, and that is spacing. So I, I love not only do we have newbies to, uh, to Babylon 5, but we have newbies to sci-fi. So Nicole, spacing is you get tossed on airlock. So he's only been threatening to do that 
for yes. as long as we've had this show to all the newbies. So you just didn't call congratulations. Spacing, so well, and got Kodoth it. got it done already. I was going to say, yeah, uh, the other Narn got it already done. Uh, so. Have you ever watched the, I think the best example, um, I know you haven't watched Expanse, but the Expanse is really good examples of it. But have you ever watched uh, Event Horizon, which is a horror sci-fi movie? Probably not. How about, how about the Bond movie Moonraker? That's no. not a good example. <laughs> Well, but think of the worst possible death you can imagine and then up it by 10 and okay. that would be death by vacuum. All right. Your, your blood literally it's like boils. sucks your lungs and everything oh, out of you. Oh, it's, it's worse. You're, you're, because of the pressure change and the temperature change, your, your blood boils inside of you. Total um, recall. That's what I'm going to Yeah, yeah actually, that's close. Hey, well, Total that's recall. Very close. There you go. That's very close. Yeah. yeah. Damn it. <laughs> that's another movie we can watch together. Total Recall? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. The good one, not the new one. Yeah, yeah, the good one. The original. Get Jaws the Mars. Okay. Um, my all. Anything you want to add to the newbie's first impressions? Um, yeah, I'm excited to call out that Dr. Rosen was played by uh, yes! June, June Lockhart. Best known from Chud 2, Bud the Chud. That's not oh. what she's best known for, sir. <laughs> at all uh maybe lost for in you. space uh, lost in space she is maureen robinson the mother from lost in space the mother of bill Mooney's character mm -hmm. yeah which i did write down i was kind of bummed they didn't that, have any uh, screen time that was you, a you got yeah that you was got discussed. no screen time but uh yeah um you know at the same time it was a it was a shame but i also respect that the stories didn't intertwine and so they didn't force the issue in the episode but uh but yeah dr rose and this was kind of the episode for uh for for kind of well-known actors to to make appearances because yeah yes. we've got uh june lockhart we've got kate mcneil who played janice the daughter um for for both her and mark ralston who play, played the serial killer i just kind of wrote down from stuff because yes. if you go look at imdb they both have like over a hundred credits a piece they're in Most everything Ralston has a hugely active video game voice career. If you've played any yes. video game in the past 20 years, you've heard his voice. Yep. And uh, and I didn't write down Constance Zimmer. I actually completely missed that one, but you're you're totally right. Her name stood out on the list and I was like, I feel like I know who that is. And yeah, she's got another super long list of credits. So, um, you know, one I was kind of surprised by, uh, Jim Norton, who played, uh, they didn't, this was interesting. I, I have to be careful what I say here because we jumped ahead a little bit in our podcasting. Uh, I'll just say he appears again later. They yes. didn't name him as the judge, but he was the judge. I think um, that was pretty obvious in this episode. Omnibudsman. Uh, but he's a great actor. I thought he was wonderful in both this episode and the one that you'll see later. Next um, week, actually. So it's not jumping ahead too oh, much. Mike, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. That actually they, makes a lot more sense. <laughs> what Mike's alluding to, and this is not a spoiler at all, Grail actually, which we're going to watch next week, came out before this episode in the original order. And you meet Wellington, the ombudsman there first. And so you're going to get to know him more in that episode, even though you've just met him this episode. Yeah, That's the, kind of the it, weird thing about HBO Max. It's, just, we're going it's to not really a spoiler either, but like the Beyond the Rim crew jumped ahead a little bit and watched that episode because of another thing we have coming up. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, um, but yeah, uh, I mean, back to first impressions, though. I mean, it, it was a pretty good bottle episode. Interesting premise for the A plot, uh, fun premise for the B plot. There's some good character moments in this one. One of the best character moments, really, uh, I thought was the the interaction with uh, Dr. Franklin and Ivanova. You know, they, she didn't have much to do in this episode, but I thought it was a really kind of cute kind of meaningful scene that the two of them had together that kind of shows the the quality of both of their characters as people so i thought that was really nice and um yeah then of course we got some science lessons on uh mimbari anatomy uh not tolerating their booze very well 
and we got uh, about that that lesson on uh, Centauri anatomy that we don't need to dwell on any further. So there you go. Oh, and a quote that pretty much sums up the way that I feel about all of you on the podcast with me. Uh, they're strange people, but they're okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lando. Well, I knew one of the sci-fi nerds, either Kevin, Mike, or myself, were going to drop June Lockhart first. So let me dive in real quick to why we didn't get the Lost in Space reunion that we were all waiting for with Bill Moomy and June Lockhart. So it was asked back in 94 on the Usenets. JMS announced first that, hey, June Lockhart's going to be on the show. And so the big question was, is she going to be with Bill Moomy? Uh, no, no scenes with Bill Moomy through some consideration, uh, though some consideration to the notion was made. That was JMS quote. He then get, went on to say, Bill, Bill Moomy kept bugging me to put him in a scene with June but I just felt it didn't get it, it would get in the way. It would have worked, but the scene would have uh, forever been about the mini Lost in Space reunion. If it isn't important to the story, it shouldn't be there. Basically, he couldn't figure out how to get those two together in the narrative, and he didn't want to shoehorn them in. So that's why we didn't. I'm sure they hung around the craft services table a lot. Kevin, what kind <laughs> Unless of Unless they hated each other. I don't know. I don't, based on what, I mean, Bill was bugging him to put her and him in the scene together. From what I understand, um, I, I follow Bill Moomy's Facebook page, which he's rather active on. He's got a good relationship with all the surviving cast of Lost in Space. I think he did. I think they yeah, had a really good, good rapport, uh, which is nice. Um, nice I, to hear. I, I grew up on two shows on the sci-fi channel in the 80s well, several shows but two i can think of star trek the original series and lost in space and so um and twilight zone which bill Mooney is also a part of several and times while the trek crew are a dysfunctional family yes they are well and unfortunately most of them are gone now kevin first impressions uh, anything that we missed so far I, I really enjoy the the buddy comedy with uh with londo and lanier that's a that's a fun element of this this show um pretty um pretty dark with with the criminal and the the scan from from talia i don't know if anyone noticed but she was wearing a black ribbon over her her psychor mm-hmm. uh pin which i don't know if they ever truly explain but you know clearly that has something to do with the criminal justice type aspects of her job which she's clearly not very comfortable with I read it. I read it more as just it's kind of like going to a funeral. She knows what she's doing is the end of this guy's life, so it's kind of a mourning slash respectful. We're putting a black ribbon on. That's how I read it. Mm, okay. Um, so yeah, it it definitely gives you a lot of uh, interesting information about uh, the uh, criminal justice system in this century. And then you know the the stuff with uh, with the machine is is interesting. Yeah, it was definitely a good episode for for Franklin. I thought, um, and I thought Ivanova had a, a great scene, even though she wasn't in the episode very much. So uh, overall, I I definitely like this episode. It, uh, it it's it's some good world building on this one too. I think you guys hit on everything I wanted to hit on with first impressions. So let's dive in to the cusp of the story. And that is Londo's tentacles, because I want to get that conversation the time it deserves. Uh, at much like the, 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 uh, the long awaited reunion that didn't happen between Bill Moomy and June Lockhart, JMS was asked many questions about Londo's appendages. So I'm just going to read from the Usenets in 94, and then we can discuss. The question from the Usenets are, are Londo's appendages in addition to or instead of human type appendages? The answer from JMS was, that would be instead of, not in addition to. He also went on to say, as for the tentacles, 
well, and I'm quoting here, as for the tentacles, well, there's no rules about showing tentacles on TV. I think they didn't even want to deal with it. There are some moments when they pretend they didn't see it, and I pretend I didn't write it. He also points out that the Centauri males have six, and that Centauri females, by the way, again, I'm quoting, Centauri females, BTW, have six narrow um, slots on their backs, three on either side of the spine, right around the base of the spine. The awful thing, I'm continuing to quote JMS here. The awful thing is that the two women in props who were having far too much fun with this kept bringing me the tentacle to verify the shape, size, consistency. Do we see veins? Do we not? Uh, I'll tell you here and now, our staff beans are something else. And then he says, uh, uh, again, another question was asked and he says, again, actually Centauri's have six. They extend out from the side of the body and fold. And he put quotation marks around fold. I don't know why they fold in over the solar plexus when not in, uh, or use again, his quote in our use, uh, we actually saw an extended, uh, for one per, uh, we actually saw one extended for other purposes in the first season's quality of mercy. Uh, and then he goes into what the female parts are like again. Uh, and then he finally says, and I quote, to go any further would probably bring the FBI. So JMS has spoken about Londo's tentacles. Where do you guys want to go from here? <laughs> he had way too much fun coming up with all that. <laughs> JMS is an interesting character. I've had enough. If you, uh, and I'll, I'll say again, we, we, we knew all of this. If you pay attention to the show, cause the show gives you everything. Lee, the statue, if you look at the statue again in parliament of dreams, it has the six tentacles and it has the six slots. Cause she is, uh, has both parts. Justin, what do you well, got? And I guess I really never really knew what it was until the picture gets set on it and you see, he's trying to pull it back. Like, I thought maybe, like, it was a creature he had with him that was, like, helping him cheat. And then all of a sudden, he's, like, trying to pull it back and, like, try and, like, he's get this grimace on his face. And I'm like, oh, no. Uh, and it's just, like, that realization of, I'm like, no. Oh, oh, God. Oh, God. So then all of a sudden, oh, it was it was insane. Like, it's definitely uh, uh, the more you know moment. So Not a creature, but might have a mind of its own. Right. <laughs> Jesse. Go ahead. Oh, by the way, I want to point out one of the one of the reviews we got said that they really appreciate our gender diversity on here. So Jesse, please talk about Londo's appendages. Thank you. Oh, I'm I have so many questions, but one, why is it sticky? Like, <laughs> like I need, I need to know. Like, listen. I don't think we want to know. Jesse, when a man gets excited. <laughs> <laughs> Did we see more than one? Did we see the same one over and over? Did we see the two of them? Well, he had to adjust himself yes. twice. So I think we saw two. So I'm watching the, the scene, right? And I'm like, okay, they're playing Intently poker. Taking notes. And then, and the, yeah. And then I see uh, what looks like a dick, except not a dick, but kind of like a wedding And my husband goes, is that his dick? And I'm like, it can't be his dick. We're, we're watching a TV show, right? It was his dick. And now <laughs> we are. And now I have so many more questions because now we're talking about slot. And like, I need, I need, I need a diagram is what I mean. <laughs> you really, I mean, I could draw you one if you like. Yes, please. I'm hot. You got an impromptu like, Centauri like sex ed lesson. <laughs> Over here. Jesse, Jesse this, huh? done got the vapor. Well, we just She's learned a... a little bit more about Jesse's kinks than we ever needed to know. Wow. 
So Jesse likes tentacle porn. Tentacle porn does it for me. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> do not send us your fan art of this. No. <laughs> I do not need to see your tentacle porn. I, I, I don't want to be on an like, FBI list, right, I take please. it back. Send your fan art to John at grade17podcast. <laughs> at gmail.com. Okay. Emily, what do you got? Okay, so he's letting it do its thing in the middle of like the bar or wherever they are at how often is he walking around the station with his penises just doing whatever they're doing like I, it doesn't seem like it was his first time did it he seemed pretty skilled but like how often is he doing this like do people not realize that's his penis and they're like I, how's he getting people away just high five it like as I, they're walking I, down i the think, it was, I think it, it was assumed uh, he actually keeps it quiet because we okay and we're gonna get into some lore here around londo's penis penis eye peni <laughs> Uh, but we in the, in the in the in the gathering remember garibaldi was talking about how when the centauri showed up at the at earth the centauri said the earth is a long lost colony and then garibaldi was like well we gotta look at your dna finally and we found out our dna isn't anywhere near the same so that's not true which was a first hint but then at the end of this episode lanier asks in like what the hell was that? The Mimbari know these things, or at least they should. And Londo's keeping it rather quiet, saying he, you know, he whispered it to him. So I think the Centauri keep it to themselves. Right. Not like Jakar trying to get with every female he can. I was going to say, I kind of assume that just means that none of the races really know that depth of knowledge about one another. So I thought there was a list. Random appendage. They have a list. No yeah, idea what I, it's for. Centauri are obviously not on the list. It's like a boa constrictor going after you. <laughs> I will say I've gotten more than one message on Facebook and Twitter saying, I can't wait for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> John, did you have anything else? Yeah, so, you know, the joke and the funny, the penis, it's all great. Um, I will say, though, I mentioned it in my first impressions that, like, I will say as a as a character, because I have to be at least somewhat impartial, I, you know, I give some of the other characters shit for some of their actions. Lando really doesn't come off all that great. Um, you know, he really tries to take advantage of Lanier. He obviously is cheating in cards. I mean, he's, there's a certain aspect of his personality that really kind of started being a little too creepy for me. And, you know, I like... Look, I like it to an extent, but I was like, man, you know, so Lanier just seems like such a good guy and, you know, trying to take advantage of him, you know, uh, it just, it turned, there was a part in the episode, and I, I don't know when, probably when the penis showed up, but uh, that it just turned just a little bit too much. Like at first I was down, I was like, hey, look, what, you know, what is diplomacy without alcohol and strip clubs? Amazing. Fantastic. Uh, well, I should say until he realizes that it leads to uh, homicidal tendencies and or outbursts, which I was waiting for when it started to pop off. I was hoping he would hand him a shot and just, you know let them go to town and, and see what happens when they were trying to, to jump them. But um, there was just a little part of it that I thought, man, eh, just a little too creepy from Londo. Yeah. Um, there's nothing I can say here that doesn't spoil stuff. So I'm going to leave it alone <laughs> and say, yeah. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I love the fact that after all this, John's the one who brought it back to an actual decent conversation. Mike, go ahead. What? Personal growth. Yeah. Alternate universe are we in? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of wanted to just bring up the fact that we learned a little bit of something uh, with the Mimbari culture, and I'm not talking about the, the whole homicidal rage thing, but but actually just the way Lanier chose to handle the whole thing in the end after he survived the bar fight and they, you know, were interviewing, <laughs> getting interviewed by Sinclair. He, he kind of dropped the, uh, you know, in Mimbari culture, uh, we are taught that stitches get stitches. 
So uh, we're just going to not talk about it. Delenn's going to know better than to ask, and that's going to be the way it is. And I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, he totally took the blame, and Londo was shocked. I thought that was cool. So now that we've uh, we've discussed uh, Londo enough, let's go ahead and talk about serial killers. Yeah. Wait, Can there I- was an A-plot? <laughs> <laughs> there was more to this episode? <laughs> Nicole's hand shut up real quick when I started talking about serial killers. Nicole, go for it. That guy sucked. I hated him. Was like, he an adjective of some sort? He was shady. Oh, I said it earlier. I said it earlier. <laughs> no, no he was. Either. He was a, I did. Um, he was a bastard. Like, what a, what a sick fuck. Like, the way he was toying with Talia, he was like, oh, I might jump out and bite you. And then, like, when she was reading him and he, like, was just basically toying with her i was like what a douchebag like i was like i hope they kill him you know i hope somebody ends him and then when um the lady was when he forced her to heal him or whatever um i kind of thought oh this would be a good opportunity to fuck him up and then bam she did like she not only gave him her disease but she killed his ass Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, you're not going to space him or you're not going to let him let us give him the death penalty. Homegirl here is going to take care of his ass, you know, um, but I hated that guy. I really did. He was just straight up evil. And I'm glad he died in the end. John, uh, I, maybe come back to me. So I, I really wanted to talk about the old lady more than the series. Okay, yeah. OK, we'll, we'll get back to uh, Jesse. Go ahead. Um, I, I, I felt like he could have been so much worse. So after just watching Dahmer. Um, I don't know who else watched it, but it was like the most uncomfortable, creepy, like 10 episodes that I've watched in a really long time. I feel like the serial killer could, there could have been so much more depth to him. Um, because the only really depth that we got from him was the short bit that she was in his mind. And again, like, I'm just going to double down and say it was a very dramatic scene for as like undramatic as it really was. She was standing in a circle of people and she's counting and she's just absolutely flustered. And here's the thing is like, I feel like if that's your job, you, there's things that you know, you're going to see. And she, again, wasn't seeing like body parts and like dead people and like all these weird things. She was just seeing people standing around. No, okay. I get it. You're a little overwhelmed that he's killed this many people, but it's not that dramatic. Like it was very dramatic for as undramatic as I feel like it was. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually feel for one, I checked out on Dahmer after episode three. I was like, yeah, I'm done. Thanks. That's enough. Non-humanity for me. But I think what sells it for me, I agree that Talia um, is a little overdramatic in there. However, what sells it for me is Ralston, uh, because the way he looks at her throughout, both in reality, but also in the dream world or what you want to call it, he's just got that nothing is right in that dude's head. And when he says, I need them all to sing in the choir to lead me to heaven and I need more voices or however he said that, that is actually honestly more sadistic and creepy to me than watching anyone's head get drilled in on a Netflix show. It's just, I think, because he plays it so well. But I can see where you're coming from. Here's the thing about Talia, though. She's a commercial telepath. Yes. So... This is not really particularly her job. Her job is to be the arbiter for commercial uh, transactions. 
And the only reason that she's involved in this is because there isn't a criminal justice telepath, for lack of a better term, on the station to cover for this. So this isn't really within her training, particularly, and it's certainly not something that she wants to be doing. So I, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you, Jesse. I'm just trying to explain that it's really not within her realm, particularly. Sure. Well, and I think that they said, you know, she said that, that we tried to request somebody else and there's, you know, but I mean, to get away the, uh, around the drama, sit his ass in a jail cell and let some, you know, wait until somebody comes in. I guess like, I don't know. It just seemed very, I don't know, just seemed very like over the top a little bit for mm-hmm. me. Justin, what do you got? I mean, I guess by, by today's standards, no, that scene wasn't very shocking or anything like that. But by early 90s standards, it probably was. Um, it was probably really creepy. And we don't really know what all Talia, you know, Talia saw uh, when she was inside his brain. Because whether the limitations of the photography are just, you know, whether she saw something as she was exiting, whatever, but whatever she saw, it it absolutely horrified her uh, to the point to where she had to go running away. And honestly, yeah, definitely the look on his face, though, the entire time, like he was enjoying the entire process. And I think that that was kind of his last, she was almost in some, in some cases, his last victim, um, other than beating poor, you know, Lou Welsh um, in the elevator, you know, and I'm honestly, I'm, I'm really glad he's okay. (laughs) Uh, but the, I, I just, I, I just really think it was a really well done, um, scene for what it was worth in the early nineties. Like it kind of saw into his head about exactly what his plan was. And this guy was a full blown legitimate serial killer who was collecting souls for his choir. And it was, it was brilliant to me, in my opinion. Andrew, go ahead. Yeah. One thing that I wanted to bring up, uh, in terms of like, like why I liked the, uh, whatever his name was, uh, one of my favorite like kinds of storytelling when it, especially when it comes to that sort of like just as a blanket term horror is the the less is more so yes you're not seeing much of what talia was probably also seeing but at the same time you're kind of, like you're getting enough so that like your best way i can explain it is uh like you take the movie the original halloween like there's barely any blood in that movie but they show enough to where your mind can kind of fill in the blanks and uh yeah mm-hmm. John, what do you got? Yeah, so with the Psycor thing, you know, there were a couple of uh, kind of questions and or thoughts that came to me. So Kevin uh, hit the first one, right? I saw the the black ribbon, which, you know, I took the same thing. I took it to mean, you know, how like uh, cops or firefighters are aware when someone's died uh, in the line of duty or whatever as a funeral. So I was like, oh, man, I wonder what happened with the Psycor. But um, those punishments and they were talking about being able to wipe someone's entire personality and memories. And um, first of all, I mean, that's fr- I don't know which is worse. You know, I mean, I don't know if just flat out being killed or if, if having your, you know, basically your essence ripped away from you anyways, which then got me leading, leading me to think like, where are all the rogue telepaths? If you have this kind of power, inevitably, somebody will abuse it. Somebody will, you know, take it and use it for what it's not intended to, which is another point I'll get to when we talk about the other A plot and that alien device. Um, But so I hope, and again, maybe this is going to be an awesome beyond the room spot. um, We can talk about these telepaths. I'm super, super, super interested in these telepaths and, and hopefully we can explore them more and what they can and can't do. You know, originally we were talking about, you know, why would any government agree to have them sit in on any diplomacy meetings? Why would anyone agree to contract negotiations with these people? Like, so the, the fact that now I know they have this power as well, um, you know, I, I, 
hope and would be shocked if we don't get somebody, some rogue telepath using it or trying to use it or, you know, that was the, that was the creepier part to me. Not this guy killing people the old fashioned way, but a serial killer telepath. I mean, now that's, that's chilling. Good points that I cannot elaborate on for many reasons. Mike. Um, yeah. Just to back up the other um, kind of what Andrew was saying, I actually thought this was the, the way that they depicted the serial killer in this, it was, it was a little bit lame and yet a little bit, elegant because it did do a good job of kind of conveying the sickness that was going on in the guy's head without putting you know an undue amount of emphasis on that part of the story in the episode and without really getting into the whole mechanics of what a telepath can and can't do i guess i kind of wanted to point out i i assume that besides the the vision of it there is probably an unseen feeling that goes along with it like you know being washed in sickness you know when she's connected to this guy's brain uh, so there's probably a lot more going on than just what she is what we're seeing on the screen in terms of you know what makes her uncomfortable about the whole thing um so talking about the punishment so how to play devil's advocate how big of a punishment is it to somebody to erase their memory when they're not going to remember can you guarantee that's the case what can you guarantee that's the case well, they're pretty much saying I'm not going to have any memory of anything that was my former life. I hope so. So, right. But like, so if you're, if you don't remember, you're just going to go on and blissfully live the rest of your life. So, I mean, I don't dive right into it. Okay. But so then what makes a person a person then, right? So what's the difference? So, I mean, how is that not more cruel? If I take away all that you are and all that you remember and then implant some fake stuff, then basically turn you into a human slave. I mean, how is that just Sure. So it's cruel to you, but it's not cruel to like, they don't know better. Like it's like somebody who gets in a car accident and doesn't remember anything from their previous life. It doesn't mean they're having a bad life. It just means they're having a different life. Right. So I get it because the, they, they did kind of briefly mention in there that they're going to make him do labor and this, that, and the other, but this dude has killed how many people? I mean, we saw 10 at least and you know, and you're, and, and then you're talking about another two or three and is that justice to just, you know, erase their memory and let them go on and live? I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's almost like there's no punishment aspect to it. Because right. are you they punished no if concept. you don't know that you've been punished? Right. But it's there's also a reason why they don't do frontal lobotomies anymore right. for the exact same reason. Like well, you're destroying the essence too. of what makes a person a person. Well, and I agree with you that that memories and um, the things you've learned, all of those things, your personality, all of those things make you a person. But it's a punishment to you. But if I'm the person that's being punished, like I don't remember. What worries me is that it completely ignores the whole, you know, nature argument uh, about. Um, criminal justice and the fact that you know what's to stop him from becoming a serial killer again based on right. the genetic aspects of his his sickness I, I i'm not i mean i'm sure he'll probably be watched very closely you know if he were to have survived and not escaped but and been killed but i still th that whole thing makes me very uneasy yeah it's i mean i guess yeah psychopathy is a diagnosable medical condition so i mean yeah i guess that's a good point too so is this supposed to take the place of capital punishment i mean because yes yes pretty right. much yes and we were told in the episode that spacing, which would be actually killing, is reserved for mutiny and treason. Okay, then, so what are your thoughts? Because, I mean, it kind of segues into it, right? So this alien device, 
right? Immediately I thought, oh shit, now Irk's got it. This is going to be bad news bears all over. But, you know, they basically, you know, she said like, oh, that was, you know, capital punishment. So instead of, um, you know, just killing you and you get nothing, we're going to take your life and give it to somebody else who I guess could use it or needs it. You know, um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know. This is a, it's a tough conversation constantly that um, when, you know, we talk about in our world about, you know, the criminal justice system, right. You know, is our jail system set up for, revenge or for rehabilitation? Because I think depending on how you view that really shapes how you'll see our our justice system and any justice system, right? Are you there to help these people and rehabilitate or are you just there for, you want your pound of flesh? And so when I see stuff like this, it's like, you know, to Kevin's point, right? Okay, maybe he needs help. You know, is this an assistant that seems to almost all but outlawed capital punishment? Yeah. And I kind of lean towards what you're saying, John, is death of personality is still death one way or the other. And so, I mean, if you're trying to be and just putting all my stuff on the table, I don't condone capital punishment because I don't think civilization should kill. But um, if you're trying to sidestep that by saying we're going to keep your body alive, but your mind is gone. I mean, that's still a cop out. Uh, One thing I, I do love about this show just to sidetrack for a second is these questions come up in almost every single episode we have these kind of deep thoughtful questions and the reason why is the showrunner is a huge fan of science fiction for those who have uh, i haven't shilled for the autobiography in a couple of weeks so i'll do it again uh becoming superman jms talks about his first experiences with sci-fi novels and novellas was stealing them from a local pharmacy and comic book shop because he couldn't afford to have them, but he wanted them. So he would steal them. And one of his favorites was The Demolished Man by Alfred Bester, which we we know that name's been used already too. But The Demolished Man goes into this in the conversation of the wiping of one's personality. So JMS knows the themes that he can pull on here and elaborate on more. And I really do like that about this show as well, too. H.G. Wells touched on it a lot, too. Yeah. Very similar topics. But we don't have a psychop named Wells, do we? (laughs) We should. We should. (laughs) Kevin, what do you got? All right. I agree with you, Scott. I'm I'm very against the death penalty in almost all cases, but I, I also have zero problem with how this story ended up. I mean, you know, a yeah. very just lady gets cured of a of a deadly disease and he's no longer able to kill anybody or be a burden on society. So there's there's nothing there to be sad about. It's it's not a not a bad resolution. But I do appreciate the, oh, John, you're probably going to say it too. So John, go ahead. Well, I don't know, maybe, but I do want to point out. So Kevin, you said a just lady. I do want to be clear. The backstory I got was that she was a drug addict who killed someone. So this is her second murder. So I don't know about how just and where, you know, where was the justice for that guy's family? Shouldn't she have also? It it clearly wasn't decided that it was murder because otherwise she would be either brain wiped or some other thing. So my guess is that it was probably some form of, you know. It was malpractice. She lost her license. Yeah. Smells like potato, potato. She was hot. Well, I'm not going to agree with you on that, but we can. We we were clearly shown at the end of this episode that she gets off on uh, self-defense, but she even points out too, she's not innocent. She points out that she's going to have to live with this. So the, the, the morality of it is definitely not lost on her. And by the way, we've talked about Ralston's acting as Mueller. June Lockhart, there's a reason why she was acting for, the better part of a, a half century because she's really good at it. I think June Lockhart does a great job in this role as well, too. She's still Just, alive. She's 97 years yeah. old. I don't know if God she's still, her. I don't know if she's still acting, but she was she acting isn't. for a long time. Yeah. 
Or, I mean, she was acting into the 2000s for sure. Oh, yeah. Justin, what do you got? I mean, that's really all I was going to kind of point out was the fact that, you know, she is someone who carries a lot of demons with her. Her whole motivation is trying to find a way to um, to make recompense for her past actions. So then when she finds this machine and she's finally helping people, she thinks she found it, but then she used this machine to kill this guy who was threatening her and her family. Well, now, even at the end, when she was getting ready to leave, she because she violated her sacred oath once again, she feels the need to go out and find another way to make recompense for that. So like her, her, her search for redemption is, is far from over. Emily, what do you got? Um, I was just going to echo what Justin said about, you know, what happened actually weighs heavy on her. She's not like enjoying it or feeling good about it. Like the serial killer she killed, she actually still feels sadness that she took someone's life and i think that's a something that we don't always talk about when people talk about like justice systems is you know do people actually feel bad about what they do but it's always factored in somehow like we expect people to feel bad about stuff and if they don't then you want to give them a harsher punishment for not feeling that guilt or feeling the burden of their actions. So I don't know if it's a way to like force the burden upon them to make them try to feel it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Mr. Mueller is not going to feel much of anything, but yeah, I get what you're saying. No. Yeah. I don't think yeah. he's capable. <laughs> no. And that's the whole thing too. I mean, how do you deal with somebody who truly does not have the same use of their brain as a quote unquote normal functioning human being has. How do you deal with somebody like that? Not only in sci-fi, but how do you deal with that in general? Right. Nicole. Um, I was also going to say, ultimately she took an oath to become a doctor and she broke that oath by killing this guy. And I don't think that was her intention in the beginning because she was following his request and healing him. And then when he shot at Dr. Franklin, he realized she realized, oh, this guy means business. And I think it dawned on her that she could alleviate the situation because ultimately her daughter and Dr. Franklin and her, all of their lives were in, in danger. And who's to say that once he was healed, he wasn't going to kill all three of them anyway. You know, so I feel like even though she probably didn't want to necessarily break that oath of being a doctor because a doctor supposed to save people. I think it was kind of a desperation act in her, in her thing. And then like Emily and everybody else said, like she, she's going to have to live with that. She showed a lot of remorse and, you know, yeah, she was given a second chance at life, but also now she's going to spend her life trying to right her wrongs. They made it a point to show that she was remorseful and she wasn't like taking joy in the fact that she killed this scumbag. You know what I mean? Like it was more of like, well, it's going to be you or me and it ain't going to be me today. Um, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Franklin. So because uh, I I'm surprised we've gotten this far. We haven't talked about him. Uh, I think he surpassed. Uh, uh, Ivanova for my most hated character thus far. So two episodes. So this one and Believers. My man's arrogance is off the chain, right? So in this episode, there's some alien tech. He immediately dismisses it because it's not human medicine, which, I mean, as if he assumes that we're the only species in the universe that has ever been able to heal its own or do anything. So I thought just, just that arrogance itself was, was crazy. Um, and then we're talking about some shadiness and creepiness. My man knows that this woman's mother is killing herself to help other people. And he thinks that's a pretty good time to say, hey, you wanna go for dinner? I mean, we're worried about Londo actually pulling his penis out, but you know, Franklin metaphorically did it right there in the most inopportune time ever. And I just don't understand why he's not getting enough hate. Emily? 
Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised on his just initial dismissal of the alien tech because in previous episodes, they talked about him basically hitchhiking, you know, through space on different vessels. And I figured he would have seen some pretty interesting, you know, medical related tech while doing that. So this automatic, oh, it doesn't work, it's all a scam was in a way kind of surprising. And it really This episode really did show kind of like two sides of his personality because he was doing the kind of underground clinic, which was helping people who couldn't afford medicine, which is, you know, good. But then also the initial that just automatic, well, I don't know it, so it can't be, it can't work was not so great. (laughs) Kevin? I have to disagree. I think there's a lot of shady crap that goes on goes on and down below and i think he's probably very used to hearing about that dealing with that kind of thing so it doesn't surprise me so much that he would dismiss something that was going on that was he saw as a as a money-making vehicle which is clearly not what was going on i will agree that he he shows flashes of arrogance for sure and it was definitely an inopportune time to hit on a lady but as far as the the initial um disregarding of of the the alien tech that doesn't that doesn't bother me as much as it bothers others i think you don't think we should investigate right he went this whole rant about being a man of science and all this i mean to just be so i mean that's where i think arrogance comes in to just quickly dismiss it instead of i mean i think the daughter was the one to point out i mean you even looked at it did you examine it did you i mean did you dive in at all or did you just that's fair for sure there's a couple different icky moments for me with franklin i'm with john on this um you're dealing with somebody that you're questioning <clears throat> at this point when he asks her out, um, he's already made her mother, her, his patient, I believe based on the timeline and tell me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong on this, but cause she says, I need, he says, I need to uh, have you check in weekly to make sure you're not overexerting yourself. And then he immediately starts hitting on the daughter. So that's an issue there too. But also to be clear, I am not a fan of holistic medicine at all. And that's just me and my personal opinion. I think holistic medicine hurts people more than helps. But it is interesting that Franklin refused to even see what's going on before he immediately assumes that is uh, that she's a quack. He just assumes that without doing any kind of scientific examination to see, is this just a blinky light thing that is being that people are using placebo effect to make people feel a little better? Or is it something that actually is having a, an effect on somebody? And he puts up his blinders way too fast, in my opinion, for that. So I I'm, I want to mark this down in the history books because it may not happen often, but I am agreeing with John. <laughs> Come on over to the side. It's great over here. Uh, but to your point, what's crazy about that too, though, is um, had he been a little more open-minded, he could have possibly came to the same conclusion he did at the end of the episode, which turned that tech into an unbelievable utility um, when he compared it to uh, blood donation, right? So you could come in, kind of donate a little bit of your health and then heal someone else. I mean, that has fantastical consequences, you know, worldwide, uh, universe-wide, I guess you should say. However, again, the fact that Earth or Earth Alliance potentially has it leads me to believe that it won't be utilized for its proper positive results, but will instead immediately be used in Earth's penal system. And I said penal on purpose. Um, So... You know, I wish he would just use, uh, you know, his smarts as he did in a more positive way and, and a little less uh, quick to, to judgment that he's always right. It's, you know, it's got to be human and it's got to be his way. And, and it's just a bit of a disappointment. 
which is crazy because Ivanova came in this episode and looked like she was about to be a buzzkill almost immediately. And then it switched. And then now, again, Franklin is just really taking up that mantle. So I will say, though, it's consistent for the character, isn't it? This is not like it's a weird swing for Franklin. He's always somebody who shoots from the hip. He's always somebody who believes he knows what's right. And he is the one who's going to be able to save the world. We saw it in Soul Hunter when he immediately poo-pooed the idea of souls. We saw it in Believers for many different reasons. And we're seeing it here, too. So... This is kind of Franklin's shtick. Well, I was going to say, can he, I think I said it last episode too, can he or anyone else on the ship play by the rules? I thought there was supposed to be military people and everybody's doing their own thing, whatever they want, no matter for regard for Sinclair's rules or the- you Nicole's know, wagging her finger at you, Nicole. I was going to say, even Ivanova said, I break the rules every once in a while too, but this is a little bit more extreme, <laughs> you know? They all admitted to breaking the rules a little bit. Well, and I will say too, I mean, I don't have military experience at all, but in my experience dealing with bureaucracies, uh, and there's tons and tons of books and research on this, a really good book to read is Street Level Bureaucracy for any nerds out there. You have to bend the rules to get the job done. You have to be willing to not only for individuals in the bureaucracy to make those choices, but leadership in the bureaucracy, Ivanova in this case, must be willing to give agency to people who work in the bureaucracy in order to make those decisions. The perfect example is a police officer. A police officer is supposed to give a ticket if you go over 65 or 75 or whatever mile per hour is. They pick and choose who they give tickets to. They pick and choose who they pull over because they have agency to do that. You have to give your bureaucracy um, employees agency to do that sort of thing. So in terms of the station of Babylon 5, I appreciate that this isn't Star Trek. You know, Justin mentioned earlier, healthcare isn't free in this universe. Also, not everyone has a book that they follow. And that's a different kind of sci-fi than what most people are used to if Star Trek's your only entryway into this kind of genre. There's a lot to talk about in this little bottle episode. We've got uh, alien anatomy. We've got the death penalty. We've got uh, serial killers. We've got medical practice and healthcare. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot stuffed in the 43 minutes of TV. Nicole, what do you got? I was just going to say, I really like, again, once again, they have brought a show from all these years ago is so relevant today. I feel like the show was ahead of its time in a way. And I think in the 90s for when it was, I think it was a, probably almost maybe even taboo because they discussed things that maybe other shows didn't, you know, but I do feel like it's it's insane to me that these are still things that we're dealing with today that was brought up on the show all these years ago. But I, I it's just a really another testament to the storytelling of of the show let's go into questions and predictions so here we're, we're going to ask our newbies if they have any lingering questions or predictions of what may happen after the quality of mercy and then once that's done we'll go ahead and roll the credits but we will stay on after uh, we being Kevin, Mike, and myself to answer all these questions, predictions, and not let the newbies read or hear about it. So we're looking forward to always making them so upset at us by answering all their questions just as soon as they can't hear it. It also means you're all going to have to go back and listen to these shows one more time about two and a half years from now. And you know, you're all going to do it because you're all sick. We'll go into uh, questions, predictions, and let's go to Jesse first because she's laughing at me. I'd like to predict that I never have to see Wando's dick again. <laughs> 
Uh-huh. You will answer that beyond the rim. Something tells me I'm not gonna get that wish. Um, it's only season one, Jesse. I know. <laughs> I long, a long time left. Um, I have none. This is gonna be a general like running theme with me. I don't have any. I think that's gonna change. I, I get where you're coming from, Jesse, and you're kind of still kind of wading in the, the shallow end of the pool. But I'm telling you, we we. You haven't seen it yet because you're still in universe building season one. This is a serialized show. Right. And it becomes very serialized very quickly. We're just not there yet. I think when we do, you're going to have a lot more to um, to throw out too. I'm, yeah. And that's that's the thing is I'm feeling like it's not. And I know I've heard like when we did the podcast with the uh, other podcast. Ryan people. from Yum Yum. Yeah. Um, well, just everybody like, Oh yeah. The, uh, the league, (laughs) the league of unaligned podcasts. Um, I, you know, I heard a couple of them say, well, it actually is serialized. It doesn't feel serialized yet. So I I'm sure that it will, like I keep hearing, let's just get to season two and let's like, see how it goes. So I'm looking forward to that day. What? And this is not just me talking. I've heard this from quite a few people in our Twitter, Facebook communities, they really are enjoying listening to you all watch this for the first time because they now go back and binge watch this show. And most people watch it, you know, more than once and they see stuff that you haven't seen yet, but they're also pretty excited that you have seen stuff that you don't even realize you've seen yet. So I think, and I, I think it was Tim from uh, the Babylon uh, project that mentioned that it's season one is uh, serialized. I think it, when, when you go back and watch this again, with a complete understanding of the entire story, right. you're going to start making more connections and going, oh, oh, yeah, it was. Not so much as it will be more so, but I, I see where they're coming from. But I will also be the one to tell you that I usually skip season one for this reason. I was going to say, you silly goose. You think I'm going to go back and watch this fucking show of a, of a dumpster fire? I don't know. If, I don't know. It, when you get bought into the characters, at least some of the characters, as much as some of us tend. Have, I think yeah. you're going to want to go back just to see them. Um, we shall see. And then I would go into more detail, but then I would start spoiling stuff. So we're going to shut up. Let's go to Justin next. Questions, predictions. I mean, I guess the first thing I'm going to say is once we're done with this whole damn thing, the first thing I'm going to do is read that fucking book. <laughs> you guys talk about it enough. We um, told you just don't mm-hmm. read the murder she wrote or the Babylon 5 chapter. I have three questions. Do we see the machine again? You know, it's it's left in the doctor's hands. What does he do with it? Like, I'm kind of very curious to see if if he does any further research or if we happen to see this device um, ever again. Um, how long did the Mimbari live? Because we see um, Lanier talks about he was still in Academy when he was 117 years old. So that's 117 years old. And you imagine he's been out of it for a little bit. So like, how? what's the lifespan of the Mimbari? is one question I had from this episode. And then the last thing is Mueller, as he's being dragged off um, after being found guilty, says, you're all already dead. You just don't know it yet, or something to that effect. Is that just the ravings of a madman, or is that some kind of dark prophecy? That was just one question I had as well. Not to be overly dark, but he's right. We are all dead yeah. in the future. But I will say for the Mimbari thing, <laughs> there has been a lot of back and forth over the 30 years since this show first aired. For one, 117 
they as it's pointed out the Mimbari use base 11 because they, they count with their head so 10 fingers and their head so it may not be 117 and in fact what and this is not a spoiler that's why i'm telling you now the general assumption it hasn't been in canon that i'm aware of the general assumption has been bari lived to be about 120 to 140 years so so not, not much not more that, above human yeah because franklin standards. said in an earlier episode that uh, a good healthy human can live up to 100 years in this this time period so they got us by about 20 or 40 years but that's not canon that's this kind of fan conjecture based on what we know emily you're up i'm really starting to question if talia is suitable for being on the station given the stuff they keep asking her to do and how uncomfortable she seems with all of it i i don't know if that's just because there's no one else on the station so she gets deferred to unfortunately or if she really shouldn't be there and so i we kind of talked on touched on this earlier but one of my questions was does lando actually have a belly or is he just tucking them all in (laughs) how do they they, like fold and like are there like pouches in his pants is it like part of the i just have a lot of logistical questions about how you store and adjust all of that because that's a lot going on yeah i had to go there as i will read jms again from the use nets he said fold but like I know. And I quote, actually, Centauri have six. They extend out from the sides of their body and quote unquote fold. I'm in over in over the solar plexus when in not er use. So solar plexus, I don't know. Andrew, what do you got? Uh, I don't really have any serious uh, questions or predictions. I do have one question. I don't know if it's a serious question or for shits and giggles but will we learn about other alien anatomy <laughs> well we learned last week that jakar has a pouch god damn it that is true nicole questions predictions i think uh justin or somebody had already mentioned the question about the machine are we going to see that again and what's going to happen with that and also is lanier going to get in any trouble uh for his shenanigans with londo um you know that was my other question is there going to be any sort of repercussion for lanier or is it just kind of a lesson learned thing? Also, what did Lando whisper to Lanier? I have to know. I mean, probably that he has We've just penises. talked about is what he, yeah, he but, said. They're my penai. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe something else he said, but it was funny. Lanier's reaction to that was pretty funny. For 10 funny. bucks you can watch? Oh. <laughs> um, I don't I don't think I had any other um questions or predictions. Um we probably won't see that lady again, the doctor. I assume that we won't see the Dr. Rosen or whatever again. Um, and also, I guess, is, is Franklin and Janice going to become a thing? I guess would be my other question. John, bring us home. Question predictions. Yeah. Um, so one of the questions I asked earlier, but again, you know, will we see more into the sidecore um, with these rogue telepaths? Hopefully, you know, can we get an episode with a, a uh, telepath serial killer? Uh, again, talking about serialized television uh, or, you know, a lot of times something seemingly innocuous can come up and be uh, an important point later and you didn't realize it. You know, you, Scott, you made mention of this. So listening to that conversation that Lanier was having with Rondo, uh, you know, Rondo was bored, but he was talking about, oh, I learned all these different dialects. I learned all these different accents. And did you know the Mimbari have this word that means all these different things? So I'm curious to see if that was just a throwaway or if that that little conversation of that part will come up uh, later. It might be somewhat important. I don't I don't know. Um, and uh, my la- my prediction will be and hope will be that we will see Londo and all of his loveliness 
much more in later seasons and episodes. And I hope he utilizes those bad boys in every capacity that he can. <laughs> okay. So we will go ahead and send our newbies out the nearest airlock to be spaced and Nicole can experience it herself. And we will run our credits and then come back with beyond the rim where Mike, Kevin, and I will answer all these questions and predictions. And there's a good list of them. So we'll have a good conversation until next week. When we talk about grail, which will also have a special interview with Mr. Tom Booker, who played Jinxo. I am Scott. And with me as always has been, I'm Justin. I'm Emily. Jesse. Andrew. I'm John. I'm Mike. can't take you anywhere i'm nicole and i'm kevin and i will be interviewing for new hosts effective immediately <laughs> see y'all next week okay. <laughs> thank you for listening to gray 17 a babylon 5 podcast you can find all the places to listen to this podcast and links to our social media accounts at anchor.fm slash gray 17 podcast we want to hear from you so please join the discussion on facebook and twitter be sure to subscribe and leave a review Gray 17 is a part of the Front Row Network and NPR Illinois Community Voices. You can find all the Front Row shows at thefrontrownetwork.com. Gray 17 is not affiliated with, and this podcast has not been prepared, approved, or licensed by Warner Brothers or any other owners of the Babylon 5 copyright. All audio clips included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. The opening and closing Babylon 5 themes are available from Falling Matter on YouTube. And what's out there? The rim. And beyond that, the truth. Okay, guys, welcome back to Beyond the Rim, where we're going to discuss all the questions and predictions that the newbies threw out. And even though this is a kind of quote unquote bottle episode, we have a lot that's going to carry over. So, Kevin, you were taking notes. What are some of the questions from our newbies? Jesse predicts, although it's really more of a hope, that she doesn't want to see Londo's appendage again. But I'm pretty sure we don't, honestly. I don't think we do either. But the appendage that we do see in the next episode, the Grail, looks a heck of a lot like. Pretty sure it's the same. Pretty sure it's the same. And what's weird about it, too, is the fact that Londo and the Centauri are the ones that they're from a similar area of the galaxy, and they're the only ones that know about it. So I'm just I'm just openly wondering if they're somehow genetically related on some, some that, level. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, it's like we're related to trees on Earth, kind of through DNA. So I right. wouldn't doubt that at all. Also, production budgets are fun. So right. <laughs> but, uh, I'm looking at actually, so in Grail, we get the, the feeder. That was production number nine. And then this yeah, one was production number number 17 so yeah, you're, you're supposed to have seen that first but they, yeah but what i'm getting at know. though is that the tentacle was it created already or did they just i think probably it wasn't created for londo it was reused for yeah, Lando, probably. is my guess jesse also asked does this show really become serialized and yes yes very I, much so i think the argument can be made it doesn't really get fully like full speed ahead until the end of season two Mid-way I mean, we definitely idea. get to hear more about like the shadows and mm-hmm. 
the Centauri and the Narn get really stomped in season two and all that. But I think as soon as Babylon five really starts talking about pulling away from earth, it like mm. literally becomes one long continuation, except for some pocket episodes. So Justin's question really gets to one of the main topics. I'm sure we're going to be talking about in this uh, beyond the rim. And that's, will we see the machine again? And of course we'll see the machine. Uh, the very beginning of season two when Garibaldi's life is in peril Mm -hmm. and both Franklin and, uh, Captain Sheridan decide to trade off and uh, heal him to the point where he can recover. That's actually one of the first little bits of Sheridan's character we get to see. Mm-hmm. Is he's a guy who is willing to sacrifice for, for a guy who doesn't crew. know. So, yeah, right. and then unlike Sinclair and Garibaldi who know each other forever, right. Sheridan doesn't know Garibaldi at all, and that will be a plot point. So it's, it tells it says a lot about Sheridan when we first see him. But and I, then, of course, go ahead. The newbies were also really worried that earth seems you know would get control of the machine and to our knowledge i don't think they ever do no i think it gets controlled by if you go into the extended universe and of course the second time it gets the third time it gets used is with marcus and ivanova Mm -hmm. um which you know we were talking about the league of non-aligned podcasts and mike from gray sector is not a fan of marcus but i'm a fan of marcus i don't know about you too mike are you a fan of marcus or are you not a fan of marcus uh i am indifferent to marcus okay i like him a lot i I enjoy marcus Whenever I see this episode, I just immediately go to, this is going to kill Marcus. And I don't like that. (laughs) And it's also going to be the impetus for them, you know, explaining why uh, Ivanova leaves the show, which is also not a good thing in anyone's estimation. True. The one thing with the extended universe, uh, there is a short story, which is not good, but it is about how after the end of the series they are able to one way or another find out how to reverse engineer the machine and they are able to bring people back and they bring marcus back but he is still weak from his wounds and so he has to be put in extended hibernation for 300 years i'm not making this up and is brought back 300 years later by the on and he goes about trying to create a copy of ivanova because obviously she ain't around no more. So what I'm getting at here is the machine never falls in Earth's hand that we know of. <laughs> but I am looking forward to seeing, because the, the Marcus thing doesn't happen until the end of season four, mm-hmm. but we'll see the machine again in, you know, about up, in our time, season. about three months, three yeah. or four months. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the newbies take that. Because again, it's paying off what they've asked is, does this thing come back? Yes, it comes back. So Justin also asked, how long the Minbari live, which you already answered. Yeah, I I haven't been able to find like JMS said, but from everything I've been able to research on, because I did some research on it last uh, week when I started watching this episode, is the assumption is 140 years. And I remember we, we see Delenn get very, very old mm. um, in uh, Deconstruction of Falling Stars. And so I think that kind of helps right. to understand that too. Dark prophecy or ravings of a madman with regard to what um, the criminal was saying in this episode probably just ravings of a madman i would imagine i mean we've got some prophecy already about ships blowing up and stations blowing up and everything else but i think at this point the dude's just off his rocker yeah if there if there was something else that we were supposed to read into that i think it got dropped yeah so you know 
now now that I'm doing, I just looked up deconstruction of falling stars because uh, I thought originally that that second time jump is actually um, uh, only 50 years in the future from the end mm. of season five, but it's actually 100 years. Right. Uh, so, so I was I thinking, I was thinking double, at least double human lifespan at this point. So I was thinking like 200, but could be, could be. How old would you imagine Delenn was in this time frame? I. I don't know. See, this is this is where it gets weird because the eleven the eleven seven or eleven d seven really throws us off, right? Because you know immediately Justin assumed that it was one hundred and seventeen. I think it's seventy seven. But in any case, middle age for Mimbari is not like in their thirties and forties. Right. So. I don't know. And I don't think uh, if somebody who's listening to this knows, feel free to drop it in the comments or send us a, a message on our social media. But I don't think we were ever told. But what I, the, re, the 140 I found was actually on the, um, the Babylon Wiki, which is called the Babylon Project. Um, and now I'm starting to question that. I don't think the Babylon Project's right just because of deconstruction of falling stars. Mm. We see Dylan a hundred years into the future, and well, she's you, still. Do you have the encyclopedia? Is it not in there? <laughs> hey, forgot about that, that damn thing. For, furthermore, I, I wanted to ask you a clarifying question about. Uh, you mentioned there the Mimbari counting in base eleven. Where was that from? Some source. I think that was from this episode, wasn't it? I read it in the. If it was, I read, I it, I read it in the show notes for this episode. Okay. So I assumed. Okay. Mimbari, please hold. This is why I paid 50 bucks for this damn thing. Let's use it. <laughs> Merlin. <laughs> we'll get to him later. Uh, seriously? There's no entry for Mimbari? Oh, because it's M-I, not M-E. I'm dumb. Yeah. Hold on. Please hold. Miller. Other Miller. Mimbari the species. There's like three pages. I'm scrolling. It does mention alcoholic uh, consumption causes them to go crazy. Psychosis. And... Yes. Psychotic impulses. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, defined by three real, three casts. Mario achieved interstellar in the 13th century of human. After the war of Valen, blah, blah, blah. Ah, it's not in here, folks. Okay. Was there something else you want me to look up, Mike, while I have the book open? No, I no. just was wondering where you pulled the base 11 thing from. Because I, like I said, if it was in the episode, I missed it. It's, it's a note in the episode. It was on Lurker's Guide, I thought. Uh, 11. Yeah, Mimbari used base 11, not base 10. So 12 would be 111st year and so on. Oh, oh, yeah. Mimbari base 11 includes fingers and head from which the... Oh, it was from JMS. It was in the um, Usenets. Mimbari used base 11 includes fingers and head from which the principle of mathematics comes. And then Mimbari used base 11, not base 10. So 12 would be 111st. Oh, well, okay. Well, that answers it. So 117 would be 18 years. Okay. There you go. We learn something new every day, gentlemen. Okay. Well, and so what is it like 22 years from now, Sheridan's going to pass on and then another 50 after that for... Well, in deconstruction of... Deconstruction of Falling Stars, the second uh, time jump is 2362. Okay. Uh, and the end of season five is 2361, right? Yes. Because, yeah, 2362 is one year after. And then 2362 would be, or 2262 is one year after. And 2362 would be 100 years after that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Emily also asks, is Talia well-suited and capable? Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm not thinking that this reflects that poorly on her but clearly the a couple of the newbies especially thought that it did but i don't yeah i I kind of regret that we didn't bring this up in the discussion earlier but 
it occurs to me that, that we've all kind of forgotten, or they've all kind of forgotten the fact that most of the telepaths in Psychor, well, all of them probably, didn't really choose to be there. It's not like they chose to go into the Psychor service. They had telepathic abilities and they got yoinked in, whether they liked it or not. So, you know, and again, to, to, I think it was your point, she really didn't sign up for anything. She was assigned, probably based on personality traits and capability, to be a commercial telepath, but it just kind of goes with the territory that sometimes you have to deal with stuff that's above your pay grade, mm-hmm. and this is one of those times. So I kind of get where they're coming from, because it seems as though Talia has been portrayed frequently is fragile but the fact of the matter is <laughs> she's a reasonable person that's being put in a lot of unreasonable situations so it's a good way to put it i think part of it too is um you're dealing with an actor and a showrunner who don't get along and that it kind of becomes more apparent uh when she gets when she leaves the show she doesn't get technically written off she just decides not to continue it, it's clear that andrea thompson was not enjoying her stint on the show and I don't think the writers and JMS as a showrunner was going out of their way to give her a lot to do. So part of it, I think, is just the, the character can be defended. I agree with you all on that. I think that the the Manubis were a little bit too harsh on that, dealing with what she's dealing with. But I just think it's bad character writing for a actor who wasn't getting a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think it kind of goes both ways, right? So if the actress isn't isn't digging the role, but the writers aren't digging the actress, then yeah. there's just no gel. And yeah. and then we get control. You get really weird, yeah, <laughs> wooden situations. Uh, Emily also asked about logistical issues with Londo storage, which I really don't want to get into, but you two are free to go at that how you want. I mean, it, it was fairly clear to me that he wraps him around his gut. Because he had to unbutton his shirt to let one out. I yeah, mean, something along those lines. I feel like we need to <laughs> Let's move yeah, on. I, I will, before we move on, I mean, it's interesting. There, without going into Londo's appendages, it's interesting that we we just assume that because we're dealing with human actors, that the aliens are going to look like humans and act like humans. As I said, JMS points out that the appendages aren't used for urination. Uh, I'm thinking to a really good book that just came out. I don't know if either one of you guys read it. It came out about a couple of years ago now, and that is um, uh, uh, Project Hail Mary, which uh, written by the same guy who wrote The Martian. It's a really good book. And without going into too many details, there's discussion of alien defecation and it's an interesting conversation about how we just assume that species on different planets are going to do the same thing we do and that's not true (laughs) or that it's viewed the same way i mean i yeah. I guess there's really no evidence in this episode to suggest that maybe the Membari do, or the Centauri rather, do necessarily view it differently or not. But the fact is, there are different people in a different culture. And I mean, who knows, man? For all we know, they might all walk around Centauri Prime with them hanging out all the time and nobody cares. It's just, it's, it's, it's our cultural hangups. Isn't it the Orville that gets into that with. Uh, the Orville gets into everything. Yeah. Where that surprised me. The, the, the Mocklins, they, they don't, they don't poop, but they have to be cleared out every yes. once in a while. Yes. Well, it's funny enough. I mean, we, I just had this almost a conversation like this with my daughter. Cause we're talking about, we're reading some book, uh, book about woodpecker facts yeah. and it talks about how trees get planted. Well, trees get planted because birds eat seeds and then birds crap <laughs> and the seeds are in the crap and that's how tree seeds get disseminated. Mm-hmm. And 
it's just like, well, yeah, it's gross, but it's also perfectly natural and kind of essential. And like, yeah, so dad life isn't it great yeah yeah uh andrew also asked will we learn about other alien anatomy which not in this kind of detail that i can recall but no i don't i think this is a one and done like i said yeah. we, we do know that uh jakara has a pouch um but i think that's about it keg uh, excuse me nicole asks will lanier be in any trouble i I, I don't think it's ever addressed. Oh, my buddy Lanier is going to get himself in a whole lot of trouble down the road, but not for this reason. Not for this. Character assassination. She also asked, Nicole asked if uh, Janice and Franklin were going to become an item. I don't think we ever see Janice again. No, the uh, the only the only thing in the fandom is the assumption is that actually Janice leaves with her mom uh, and they both leave the station because we never see her again. Mm-hmm because she got creeped out by franklin hitting on her probably john asks uh the mimbari word that's different in each dialect is that important I, not that i can recall i don't know but he's he's at least getting into the episode isn't that was, he? Yeah, that was actually yeah. a really john's come around a really thoughtful pickup but yeah. i i could totally see where he was looking for something for those who have been saying that John is the uh, stick in the mud, he was, and he is to some extent, but he's coming around. So he is. The other thing we should talk about is the the foreshadowing of the the stems. Yes, the doctor. Glad you brought it up. Almost surprised no one else mentioned it, but yeah. Well, John did mention the fact that she used them and she, yeah. killed somebody. Yeah, but um, no one's made the connection yet that Franklin may go down the same path. Yeah. And I think what I what I enjoy watching season one in this way, which, again, I haven't done since the beginning, um, is I'm seeing a lot more of the characterization of these folks and how seeds are being planted. For one, the gathering kind of gets it away because Dr. Kyle is on stems in the gathering. And of course, Dr. Kyle becomes Dr. Franklin because of, you know the change in actor. So we kind of already, if you're paying attention, uh, the doctor character is already using stimulants, but in terms of just Franklin himself, I love that we're getting again, the idea that Franklin has a God complex. Franklin cannot be wrong. Franklin cannot let somebody die on his watch. Franklin cannot let somebody be sick on his watch. And that's going to give you an obsessive complex. That's going to lead to you not being able to sleep. That's going to lead to you not being able to make correct decisions when it comes to supplements and stimulants and everything else. So we're seeing the seeds being planted by woodpeckers, Mike, uh, <laughs> to get to this point. So, so help me out here. Cause I don't remember exactly when that storyline begins. Um, do we see the beginning of that storyline really? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. I'm going to look up when walkabout happens, which is because, the end of that storyline. Because I guess my, my remark was it was very easy to see it segue to that for Franklin, because you already see him essentially burning the candle at both ends in this episode. He's running an unofficial yeah. clinic. I know it doesn't happen until at least mid season two, if not later, because I I'm, that's how far I've gotten in my, yeah. my watch ahead. And I still haven't seen any scenes where he's taken stems. I, I guess the, what I was really getting at is do we, see him start to take stims for the first time definitely is it just introduced that oh he's been doing this because it seems yeah. already pl- plausible for somebody in his position to do it and i will say that walkabout which is kind of like the peak of the entire storyline for him is uh episode 18 of season three okay. so it will be a main point of season three what else we got i all i got guys 
Yeah, I do. I, I, somebody mentioned on our YouTube and if you're watching, I deleted your comment and I apologize for deleting your comment, but you threw a spoiler in our YouTube when I was doing my commentary of this episode and saying that the machine gives us a character back and takes a character away. So I'm looking forward to seeing how the newbies handle that over the course of several years with this machine coming back for good one time and potentially good the second time, depending on how you feel. But yeah, that's all I got. Okay, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there, guys. And next week, we're going to be talking about a more bottle episode than this one, even more so, and that is Grail. But I am looking forward to Grail because Kevin and I got the opportunity to chat with Tom Booker uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the gentleman who played Jinxo. And he's got some interesting uh, information about the first um, casting of the show and some surprises even for me about what could have been Babylon 5 if, um, you know, the casting department had turned left rather than right. So I'm looking forward to you all hearing that. We'll have both a little bit of that episode or that interview uh, interjected into our next episode, but then we'll release the full interview as well as a bonus episode too. So be looking forward to that. And until uh, next week when we go hunting for the Holy Grail, I am Scott, and with me as always have been Mike and Kevin. Thanks, guys. You can start by removing your clothes. Not without dinner and flowers. <laughs>